If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I don't want to go. If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I just as soon stay home. Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be talking about this verse. Psalms 147.5, great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Now this verse is taken up by critics of open theism and proponents of negative theology, such as James Doezel. We had a response to one of his sermons on, I think it was about simplicity. And he uses this verse as a proof text because he sees this word infinite. And to him, that means whatever his theology says is true, that God is beyond whatever co comprehension we could ever have, that God is beyond being. You know, that's, that's what he sees when he sees this word. And it's not uncommon for... Christians to encounter people who think and argue along these terms about this verse. Often critics of open theism will say, hey, look at this verse. This verse is actually describing my conception of omniscience. It says, great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding, which they say is God's knowledge, is infinite, which they say without bounds. It can't be categorized. It can't. There's there's no limit to it. It must uh, encompass everything. It must be the classical definition of omniscience, in which God's omniscience is innate, ungenerated, unfalsifiable, exhaustive, and non-discursive, of course. Uh, th this is their conception they get when they come across this verse. But we're going to talk about this verse and what this actually means in the context of a Semitic world in which God needs more attributes than just knowledge in order to function because omniscience is just, it's not a catch-all. It's, it's not something that is, is the multifaceted thing that we pretend it is because we have a very particular and peculiar definition of omniscience, which just it wasn't their definition at the time, so God needed more attributes than just that one. Let's just think about how that works. Okay, so there's um, God, and he has facts and knowledge in his mind. Well, he needs to be able to do something with that knowledge. He needs to actually process that and then implement the things that he processes. So not only does he need to have knowledge, but he has to have some sort of wisdom, Wisdom and God. Now, now is God, Yahweh, in the Bible associated with wisdom? Wow, what is wisdom? Wisdom is being able to use data in such a way that you you predict outcomes. You're able to know the best route to go in given circumstances. It's discursive reasoning. It's it's this processing. Wisdom is understanding others and understanding data that you already have and putting together probable outcomes about the future. That's typically what wisdom is. This is the processing that is, is needed in a God with omniscience in order to actually produce something. And in addition to that, he needs some ability to produce. Not all deities which had knowledge or omniscience were particularly powerful. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. There might. Be, there's like. A, there's a Egyptian god who just had all factual knowledge, and um, it was like a library. But you can't do anything with that if if you don't have the power to implement any anything any use for that data. It, it's not useful data, and so you also need, in addition to wisdom and understanding, um, uh, practical 
implications, uh, practical uses of information, and the power to build, create, and do. So there, there's all different attributes that work together in conjunction in order to produce something of value from God's knowledge. And this is going to be one of them. And we can show how that's working here. Let's uh, turn to um, the, the Hebrew word used here, and then we will do a search there on that real quick. So Exodus 31.3 is our first hit. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. So what's going on there? It seems like somebody's been given some sort of practical tools. We'll click to the context. Practical tools in order to use knowledge to, to affect practical changes in the world around them. Reading the context, this is God talking. See, I've called by name Bazel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And so here you see the word understanding coupled with this idea of uh, being able to creatively understand how things work, to be artistic, to put things together, to be innovative. Exodus 36, 1, skipping down a couple of references, and Bezel and Ali Liab and every gifted artisan whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the services of the sanctuary shall do according to that that the Lord has commanded. See, you see this word associated with innovation, craftsmanship, being skilled. 1 Kings 7.14, you see this word coupled with being crafty. Craftiness, cleverness is a good thing. We might uh, hear the word, oh, this first person's real crafty, and we might think it's like negative. No, it's like able to build crafts. And so let's read 1 Kings 7.14. He was the son of a widow of the tribe of Nephtali. And his father was a man of Tyre, a bronze worker. He was filled with wisdom and understanding and skill in working with all kinds of bronze work. So he came to King Solomon and did all his work. Again, this is about practical, uh, practical implications. Practical implementation of ideas. Being able to work with things. And so are, are we getting a good picture of how this word is used? Is, it, is this about like factual knowledge, about propositions? I know that the car is blue. I know that in 1776... No, it's, it's, it's not talking about that type of knowledge. It's talking about being skillful, being practical, being crafty, being clever. Job 26, 12, he divides the sea with his power, and by his understanding he smiteth the proud. God kills the proud through his understanding. Is that like he's boring them to death on, on a game of Jeopardy? Like he's getting all the answers right, and so then they're just like dying of boredom? No, it's, it's you know, he, he figures out ways to kill people, <laughs> kill the proud. That's what God does. He innovates. He's crafty. He's clever. Psalms 136.5, to him that by wisdom, that's the same word, understanding, made the heavens for his mercy endureth forever. 
So think about that. Um, did God make the heavens by like propositional knowledge? No. Uh, the, again, it's just not. It's just not what's happening here. It's it's not about knowledge. It's about cleverness, craftiness, something that's useless in traditional omniscience, in which God doesn't have to be crafty or clever, because he has all propositional facts about all future events eternally. All creation is basically one eternal act of God, because God can't change, he's pure simplicity, uh, things just play out. There, there's no need to be crafty or clever or brilliant. On the podcast the other day, it was... Um, Mr. Rogers, oh, what, what Anthony Rogers was his name. He laughed at Idol Killer. He la laughed at Warren McGrew. He laughed at him and said, "I don't." When I think about God, I, brilliant doesn't come to mind. And he's laughing about that because, yeah, in their system, God doesn't need to be brilliant. God does not need to be innovative. God does not need to think. Thinking would actually undermine their position. If God thinks, open theism is true. Remember, their omniscience needs to be a non-discursive type. It needs to be a type that's inherent in God's mind. God can't have thoughts in his mind, one leading to another. That's a changing knowledge set. God has to think everything in one eternal thought, nothing discursive. God has no room for cleverness or brilliance. So I think what we did was we showed quite a few instances, um, I th maybe all of them. I'm not finding a very clear instance of this word being used for propositional knowledge. I just don't think that's what it's about. Great is our Lord, mighty in power, his understanding is infinite. I think this is a Hebrew parallel. The first part has to do with the second. Power and understanding are being used interchangeably. These are the attributes that rely on each other and require each other. God has power to accomplish. Power and understanding are linked. Now let's look also at this word infinite. It's funny that uh, so much has been made over this little word. It's like Edwin Hatch in his book. He wrote that inverted pyramids have been built on certain chance phrases of Clement and Justin. People like to blow small phrases out of proportion to the actual use. And so when James Duazo looks at this word, he sees, oh, this is my conception of God. God is this infinite being, which means all my, my special negative theology, that God is pure simplicity, pure actuality, outside time, and these types of ideas that these are true because this word is found in the text. But if you look at this word and how it's used, it's just like without measure. And we could take a look at the Hebrew behind that and see elsewhere where it's used in the Bible. And do you think it's going to be... <laughs> Do you think it's going to be used in contexts that uh, are very amenable to the Duesel position? And the answer, of course, is no. You, you've, you've probably seen the end of the show here. Or you could figure it out pretty easy. We'll go take a look at some of these. We could actually just find the phrase. And uh, it, we, we could see this exact phrase because it's multiple words used together. And we see the phrase, the exact phrase, pop up in Genesis 41, 49. And guess who it's about? It's about Joseph. And it's not translated. It's not translated the same way. It's almost as if the translators have a little bit of a bias. When when texts are about God versus when they're about people, the texts tend to be translated in different ways. According to, it just so happens that every single time it's according to the translator bias and not vice versa. You, you don't ever get the reverse. But Joseph, he's gathering this corn 
it says, I'll just read it in full. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering for it was without number. And that's the same word used for infinite, you know, infinite. He, he collected an infinite amount of corn. And what that does is uh, the Bible often use, uses hyperbole, without number, infinite, it, uncountable. It's, it's just a lot, a great quantity. So it's, it's a huge leap to jump from this phrase and then go into uh, metaphysically infinite. We only do that because that word, that phrase is associated with God. People really want there to be some sort of proof text for their views about God. And so they'll take anything. We'll go ahead and end there for tonight, but we'll kind of read the context so that we could get, kind of get a sense of what this verse is saying in context. A lot of times when we do these this proof text, like we just read a proof text, we don't get the context and... And that, that really strips the verse of a lot of meaning, emotional pull. Praise the Lord, verse 1 writes, For it is good to sing praises for our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. This is coming from the ESV. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody of our God on the lyre. The lyre. The lyre, you know, a musical instrument. But see how this is, is talking about God. It's not like they have a random phrase about <laughs> the God God is doing these things. He's healing people and he's saving and he's casting down the evil. Also, he's got this type of uh, knowledge in his head that's ungenerated and infinite. Also, he's pure simplicity, all of that. There's just that like little phrase like in the middle of this this praise for God. No, I don't think so. It, it just doesn't fit the tenor of what, what's going on here. That doesn't fit the flow the thought pattern that's being described. And it's pretty funny when people proof text the Bible for this type of theology that's just not present in the Bible. They they make a mockery about what's going on in the context. So that's where we're going to end off tonight. But if you have questions or comments, put that down below. Or you can start a thread on the God is Open page on Facebook. Thank you for listening.